call to order the regular formal meeting of the Iowa City City Council, March 6, 2018. Roll call, please. Botchway. Cole. Here. Mims. Here. Sully. Here. Taylor. Here. Thomas. Here. Throgmorton. Here. Item two. Well, before I do that, uh, welcome to your city hall. It's great to see all of you. And I'd like to make a promise. You know, elected officials are great at making promises that they can't keep, but this one I'm pretty confident about. Spring is coming. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's coming. It'll be here. So keep hopeful about all that. All right, so item two, student leadership awards. We have one. We have one outstanding student from Alexander Elementary School. Jalen Graham, would you come up, please? Try again. There we go. go. <laughs> All right. So you remember how we're going to do this. I'm going to ask you to read your uh, your statement, and then I'm going to read this student award document here. Okay. So Alexander Elementary, right? Yeah. Yeah. Good deal. Here you go. Read. I'll hold this. Hello, my name is Jalen Graham, and I am a sixth grader at Alexander Elementary. When I found out my teachers nominated me for this award, I felt special. What makes me an outstanding leader is because I do my job when no one is looking. At home, I help my siblings with their homework and clean up after myself. At school, I take pride in my work and demonstrate leadership all throughout the day. I would like to thank all of the teachers that helped me get to this moment. Thank you. All right. I got to tell you, I wish I could do my hair like you do yours. If y'all can't see it, it is really spectacular. Of course, I don't have any hair left. (laughs) All right. Student Leadership Award. For your outstanding qualities of leadership within Alexander Elementary, as well as the community, and for your sense of responsibility and helpfulness to others, we recognize Jalen Graham as an outstanding student leader. Your community is proud of you. Presented by the Iowa City City Council, March 2018. Here you go. Well done. Keep up the great work. I know parents right down are really proud. Huh? Good deal. Well done. To Alexander Elementary a couple times before. It's really an outstanding school. Where's the the principal? Right there. Yeah, we talked actually. Right. Thank you for giving me that tour. Yeah. All right. We can move on to item three: proclamations. 
and Joyce, right? Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to read the proclamation, Joyce, and then you should feel free to say something, and then you'll have us do what you want us to do, right? Yeah. Okay. Come on up. All right, so I'm going to read this proclamation, and it's directed to all of you and to the public. City of Iowa City Proclamation. Whereas Special Olympians have a strong desire to compete and win, and whereas Special Olympians know that bravery is measured in setting goals and attempting to reach them, and whereas Special Olympians recognize the joy, pride, and self-worth, humility, and disappointment inherent in organized competition, and whereas Special Olympians appreciate the benefits that healthy competition and physical activity can bring, and whereas Special Olympians give the entire community a chance to gather and share in their spirit of accomplishment, now therefore I, James A. Throgmorton, Mayor of Iowa City, do hereby proclaim the month of March 2018 to be Special Olympics Month in the city of Iowa City and urge all citizens to commend and support the activities of the Special Olympics. Thank you. Um, Sergeant Eunice Shriver created Special Olympics in 1968, and this is our 50th year. Um, Iowa serves over 13,000 athletes in over 22 sports. And we are celebrating the midwinter tournament this weekend. Athletes are competing in basketball, basketball skills, cheerleading, and powerlifting. And this is our 30th anniversary of having the midwinter tournament here in Iowa City. We have two major fundraising events so that once the athletes reach Iowa City, they have no more expenses. We pay for their overnight stay. We have a banquet at the Marriott on Friday night. Um, and our day of competition is all day Saturday. Those venues, we've gotten large enough that we've had to go, we go to City High, West High, the Field House, and this year, ProFit Gym has invited us to have our powerlifting event at their venue in Coralville. Our two major fundraising events are the Polar Plunge. Again, if you guys would like to join me, come on out <laughs> to the reservoir. It's April 14th this year. Uh, registration is at 11. We plunge at noon. If you'd like to come and be a spectator, spectator, come on out. We also, if you don't think that you can plunge, we have another category, and it's called Two Chicken to Plunge. <laughs> um, our second main fundraising event is we, <clears throat> in conjunction with Iowa football, we have a Swing with a Celebrities golf tournament. And through those two major events, along with some law enforcement torch run events, we do raise enough money so that we can take care of all of our athletes that are here. And this year, our banquet is for 1,150 athletes coming to Iowa City. We really appreciate you once again making March Special Olympics Month. And our here to accept the proclamation tonight is Lori Ruth, 
Sandy Slazek, Kristen Kniebel, and Sherry McKee. We have one more honor for you guys tonight. And Rakesha is, Harrington is going to introduce one of our athletes who is a global messenger and would like to talk to you. All right, Sherry, you wanna come down? Um, I am Rakesha Harrington. I am the program supervisor for our local de delegation of Special Olympics. I'm here and during the midwinter tournament we will have athletes um, participating in both basketball skills and basketball team as well as the cheer and dance teams. Um, we have about 40 athletes that will be participating this go-round. Um, Sherry being our global messenger will be able to deliver the opening um, speech during Midwinter um, Tournament Banquet, and she would like to share that with you guys right now. Okay. Hi, my name is Sherry McKee. I am 43 years old and live in North Liberty, Iowa. My mom and my stepbrother, Jeff, are my greatest supports. Jeff is the one who introduced me to Special Olympics eight years ago. Growing up, I was in special ed classes. However, I did not get involved with Special Olympics until 2009. I moved to Iowa City. I am so excited about the Midwinter Tournament this weekend and competing with the Iowa City cheer team. When I first started participating in Special Olympics, I complete, competed in track and field. I did the pentathlon following an injury. I decided to Try tennis. Tennis is one of my absolute favorite sports during the summer. I really look forward to going to the USTA events. I like Special Olympics. I am a part of the team. Hang out with my friends and, of course, win medals! <laughs> In my eight years with Special Olympics, I have had a lot of fun. I have competed in tennis, basketball, track and field, relays, dance, and bocce. It's hard to pick just one thing that I like the most, however. I can say that Special Olympics gives me so much new opportunities. I get to try different sports, make new friends, travel to new places, and try every tell everyone who would listen about all of my fun experience. I look forward for more opportunities and helpful. One day I I'll be able to compete at the national level. With Special Olympics, the possibilities are limitless. I love Special Olympics! <laughs> Great job, Sherry. Hey guys, let's do the O. <clears throat> Let me win! Let me win. And if I cannot win. And if I cannot, cannot win. win. Let, me, let me be brave in the attempt. What? Let, let me be brave in the attempt. Let me be brave. Let me be brave. In the attempt. Into the attempt. And to the attempt. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Great job, Sherry. Thank you. Thanks to everybody.
Okay, we can move on to item four, which is consider adoption of the consent calendar as presented or amended. And we're gonna pull item 4D, 4D2 for separate consideration. So could I have that motion, please? So moved. Second. Moved by Taylor, seconded by Sele. Uh Roll call, please. Cole? Yes. Mims? Yes. Sully? Yes. Taylor? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Throgmorton? Yes. So let's see, there's something else I need to do here. Uh, I need to state these two items, uh, additional items of uh, correspondence. No, they're just part of the motion. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Uh, okay. All right, so we'll turn to item 4D2, revised. This concerns Riverfront Crossings Park Phase 3. This is a resolution rejecting bids received on February 28, 2018 for the Riverfront Crossings Park Phase 3 project and setting a new date for receipt of bids for the rebidding of Riverfront Crossings Park Phase 3 project, directing city clerk to post notice to bidders and fixing time and place for receipt of bids. Could I have a motion, please? So moved. Second. Moved by Mem, seconded by Taylor. Discussion. Good evening, Julie. Good evening. I wish I was here with better news. <laughs> um, as you can see, uh, the bids came in. The bid came in very high on this project, about three hundred thousand dollars more yeah. than we had expected, and we only had one bidder. So we are concerned about that as well. Uh, so our plan is to turn around and go back out, rebid again with a couple changes. First of all, we will be bidding for only one of the two restroom shelters. So this is the one uh, to the west of the parking circle closer to where the event grounds will be. Um, the reason we chose that one is it's also the hub of all the power for the for the park. So all of the power sources come through there and it will feed events and different things that happen in the park. Um, the other part is we will give them a little, the contractors a longer timeline. We had originally hoped to be done uh, by mid-July. Uh, we're now looking at uh, giving them through October um, to work on the project, hoping both of those changes will bring it back down in line with the budget. So. Sure hope so. I do too. Any questions for Julie? Okay, thank you, Julie. Hearing none, we have a motion on the floor. Any discussion? Just disappointed, but. Yeah, right. Uh, hearing no discussion, roll call, please. Mims? Yes. Sully? Yes. Taylor? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Throgmorton? Yes. Cole? Yes. Motion carries six to zero. Item five, community comment. Uh, anyone who would like to speak uh, to us about any topic that's not on the formal meeting agenda should please feel free to come up and speak now. Please don't take more than five minutes. State your name when you come up. Good evening. Um, my name is Judy Atkins, and I live at 539 Stewart Court over in the Bluffwood area. Um, <clears throat> I actually um, came to speak to you about the deer management issue, and I am extremely heartened to know that um, you all seem to understand the plight and are on board with that. Uh, Tony Wilbiter, which uh, is the gentleman in our neighborhood who uh, started the petition last summer, uh, which I believe you have a copy of now, as well as photos uh, and some other correspondence from hopefully some of the other residents. Um, you should have that in hand. 
and um, Tony would have been here tonight, but he had surgery, and so I got elected. Anyway, um, I'm not going to take up uh, very much time on this. I'm just going to put a fine point on it, reread the letter that I sent back in August to you, and um, I'll be brief about it. I would like to share my concerns with you regarding increased deer population as of late. I live on the east side and have witnessed over the years the rise and fall of the deer numbers since the years of the last harvest. Many years ago, our numbers were high enough to consider a humane harvesting of the deer on two separate occasions. These past few years have been ridiculous with not only individual mothers with their twins, but the roaming of very large herds during the daylight hours. Two separate neighbors counted 12 and 17 deer respectively in their yards at one time. Uh, Tony actually is the one that had 17 deer in his backyard um, one day last year. Uh, while I know there's some concern about what we plant, i.e. being the flowers, the hostas, uh, etc., they are also found to eat and damage foundation plantings and uh, also ruin trees. I am also sure there are accident reports which add to the property damage as well. A couple of months ago, a friend of mine coming into town in the morning um, on Rochester was hit broadside. He was coming in at 8 o'clock in the morning on Rochester going uh, what would have been west. And as he approached the intersection of um, St. Thomas Court, a deer came from his left side, kind of blindsiding him and just struck the front of his truck and did a severe amount of damage. Um, I wonder in a split second uh, if that deer came at a different time if the damage wouldn't have been possibly much, much worse. Uh, we were all actually able to see it because the car following him that morning on Rochester as well coming into town had a dash cam and was videotaping him all the way up Rochester Avenue. So it was a, kind of a scary sight to see. Um, I ask you to consider, after almost 20 years, that this problem again exists. I'm very grateful to know that you've already started counts and uh, you are fully aware, uh, apparently, of the increase in the numbers of these animals. Um, I also hope you will consider the end result that harvesting these animals could result in additional meat being donated to an ever-burdened food bank. So as a part-time employee of the Crisis Center, two birds, one stone. So I thank you. Um, I realize that this is something that might not happen soon, but the fact that you are contemplating it and understand the issues that you know we kind of have, especially over on the east side area, I really appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you, Judy. Anyone else? I think the answer is Nick. Good evening, Council. Sorry. Just let me get my sticker out. There we go. So uh, I want to begin by apologizing for once again, you know, subjecting Please you to my... Please introduce sorry, yourself Sorry, Nicholas the Tyson. I live at 1240 Estra Court. Thank you. I always forget that. Sorry. <laughs> um, I want to apologize for my semi-regular bummers. Um, I have another one for you this evening, so <laughs> sorry. Um, because I don't want to address the issue of the budget tonight, even though that's one of the subjects for discussion. Um, 
I've already, I guess, made myself heard on the issue of what I feel is the already extremely paltry sum of money that the city allocates to affordable housing, so I'm not going to rehash that, even though I just did rehash it in brief. What I want to talk about is the issue of what that money is actually used for. Now, I have already submitted correspondence from the previous meeting about the need to actually be extremely focused in what that money is used for. So for example, in 2016, when uh, city staff had made recommendations for what to do with this bucket of money that was then being created, over 50% of it was going to be just handed over to the Johnson County Housing Trust which is not necessarily a bad thing in and of itself. But what's dismaying about this is the fact that the city is going to allocate money and then essentially hand over responsibility for it to someone else. Now, the trust fund is a good organization, but there is a real threat given the fact that you already have a relatively small pot of money that you're just going to dilute it across many different programs. Now, any one of those programs could probably use the entire sum of money. So the Affordable Housing Coalition has made the recommendation, and Sarah can correct me if I'm wrong since she's here, um, to actually use that money to finance a bond issue in order to do land banking, to seriously go after land banking. But the thing is, that is a focus thing that needs to be done. In other words, use all of the money for one purpose. Um, another possibility, and that, again, this is in the correspondence that I've previously submitted, would be to use the money to directly subsidize rents for those basically who are completely priced out, out of the market. But again, the point is, is that it has to be focused. If you give, say, 20% here or 15% there, 5% here, 50% to, frankly, an organization that city council doesn't actually have any control over, then there's a real problem there because, as I've said every single time in the past, the crisis is extremely serious. Not just serious, not just very serious, it's extremely serious. So what little money that you're going to put into this, it needs to be very specifically directed towards at least one major project that will have a real substantial effect that you can point to, rather than just saying, hey, we contributed this amount of money, let's pat ourselves on the back. And so that's all I wanted to say this time. No more bummers, have a pleasant evening, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, thank you. Thank you, Nick. Good evening, Ryan. Good evening. My name is Ryan Semph, and I'm here on behalf of the Iowa City Downtown District tonight. Um, Nancy wasn't able to make it, so I'm filling in for her. Uh, first, I want to thank uh, the mayor and city council for uh, approving the Ped Mall project. Uh, that's a great project that's gonna do a lot of good for our downtown, and so we wanna thank you for that. Uh, in addition, uh, as you're considering the budget tonight, um, we wanna point out some things that we would like to see in future budgets. Uh, one thing in particular is two-way conversions of Market and Jefferson Street. Uh, the one ways right now make it somewhat difficult uh, for people to get from one side of town down over to the north side. Uh, and so as you continue to look at the capital improvements projects, uh, we hope that you would consider uh, fast-tracking those two-way conversions to help make the north side a more welcoming and inclusive place for people to get to and from. Uh, and that's really the um, main thing that I'm here to talk to you about. So. I just want to, again, thank you for the Ped Mall project. And in the future, we'll be having conversations with you 
one-on-one -on -one about this, but just keep this in mind as you're looking at your budgets in the future. So thank you. Thank you, Ryan. Hi, Tracy. Hi. Tracy Achenbach, I'm not sure where to say I live right now, but always an Iowa City resident. <laughs> I'm waiting for co-housing to open. Um, but I'm also the executive director of the Housing Trust Fund of Johnson County. I'm also on the board and treasurer of the Affordable Housing Coalition, and I was on the Riverfront Crossings Committee that Rockney mentioned. Um, and I want to say, you know, he was very correct when he said that the committee that we were on, the group of us, for-profit developers and affordable housing folks like myself, worked very hard to come to a consensus on what we proposed as recommendations. So um, he was accurate in that it, what we brought to you was really, um, you know, sometimes we didn't always agree, but we in the end agreed with what we brought to council. So I, you know, I think that it's um, important to note that, that it was a give and take on all sides. I wanted to also mention tonight, as I said in the audience listening to you talk about your um, annexation policy, I keep being struck by the fact that I have worked in affordable housing throughout Iowa and many communities and counties for almost 25 years now. And what you guys are doing is such a big deal. You. The, the time that you're giving, the, the time that you're allowing staff to work on these policies and create these ideas, and the amount of money that you're willing to put toward affordable housing, I just, I really, it struck me that I needed to stay for this public comment period just to say thank you because it really is a big deal and I really do appreciate it and I know a lot of people in this community have to appreciate what you're doing and, um, I just, it's a, it, it is a big deal, and I just wanted to thank you for that, so. And I'm gonna finish writing my name, if you don't mind. <clears throat> thank you, Tracy, and thanks for sticking around. <laughs> Anyone else? All right, I don't see anyone else. We'll turn to item six, planning and zoning matters. Item 6A, rezoning first in Muscatine for come and go and hospice. This is an ordinance conditionally rezoning approximately 0.5 acres of property located at 1010 South 1st Avenue from low density single family residential RS5 to community commercials CC2, 1022 South 1st Avenue from low density single family RS5 to commercial office CO1 and a portion of 1025 Wade Street from Commercial Office C01 to Community Commercial CC2. I'll open the public hearing. Hi, Bob. Bob McClose, Senior Planner. Um, I would like to let you know that we do now have a signed conditional zoning agreement uh, for this uh, rezoning. We also had uh, some uh, email conversations with the uh, with the applicant, and uh, they have indicated a willingness to add uh, additional features to the First Avenue side of the building to add more interest, uh, including extending the canopy and either clear story windows on the upper part of the wall or frosted windows on the lower part. This portion of the building has bathrooms in it. That's why they would be they wouldn't be clear glass. Happy to answer any questions you might have. Bob, would you mind? Do you have the, the remote for the projector? It, 
It turned off. Is the remote up oh, there? Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. We can see on our screens, but for the audience. Thank you. Lights blinking. Oh, good. Sorry, I was trying to make sure I was following the instructions on this clearly enough. Any questions for Bob? I'm glad to hear that uh, uh, Come and Go is willing to make those modifications. Would anybody else like to address this topic? If not, I will close the public hearing. But before I do that, I want to see if the council is inclined to support or to vote in accordance with the Planning and Zoning Commission's recommendation to approve the rezoning. Yes. Yeah, I'm seeing heads nodding yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay, good. So I'm going to close the public hearing. Move first consideration. Second. Moved by Mem, seconded by Thomas. Discussion. Just for the public's knowledge, we had a lengthy discussion about this during our last meeting. Uh, we did not vote on anything, but we did discuss various aspects of the proposed development. Uh, so I don't know that we want to plow over that material yet again. Well, other than this concept of the windows, I mean, is that is that a firm commitment? Because to me, that's actually a very significant variable um, in terms of the uh, translucent glass as well as the additional windows. Is is that looking like that's going to happen? Yes, I was I was um, uh, told by um, this, the staff person that they would ag they agreed to do that. They just did not have time to get the uh, okay. drawings updated. And and also, this will need to go through our design review committee and board of adjustment. Thanks, Bob. I would just want to briefly comment on that then. I Because I was sort of the most negative on this project, and I drive by this through every day, and I want to say to you guys that on the one hand, I think this is clearly an improvement over where there's at now. And I think the fact, though, that you're willing to do the windows, at least for me, is enough to change, change my vote. Um, you know, I think when I look at this particular corner, I would have liked to see something different um, but I think the fact that you guys have really reached out you've made the changes I think it's significant for me and I don't think it's insignificant that we'll have more of a permeable look to it that we'll be able to look in and have that light and uh, I think the wall just for that is 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 problematic so um, I do have concerns about the residential the loss of the residential um, but I but I will change my vote um, on the basis of the additional modifications that have been made well, I don't disagree with you, Rockney. In fact, that I think it will look nicer with these additional changes that they're going to make, and I and I do appreciate that. I really think, as a council, we have to be really careful that when we have a rezoning like this, and developers are meeting the design standards of the zone, which we've got specific design standards within the Towncrest area, and they're meeting those design standards. 
And because we sit up here as an individual and happen to have a personal opinion, and Jim, I think you said it really well last time, that you weren't going to let your personal aesthetic judgment, or I don't know exactly the wording you use, uh, you weren't going to let that influence your vote. And, and, I, and I think that's really important, that as we look at a particular design, and particularly in a part of town that has its own design standards, and developers have met those design standards, I find it really hard to, for us as, as individuals, as counselors, to sit up here because we personally don't like something um, and vote against it when it meets design standards. So while I do like the changes they've made, um, I, I think it's important that if it meets design standards, we support it. But, but it's ultimately a political land use um, question. And I think looking at the aesthetics in an area is perfectly appropriate. Um, if this was, uh, I mean, a totally ugly design, which it is not, um, I think we should absolutely be able to take that into consideration. It's a political determination. And to um, project, I mean, that by definition involves personal preference, as far as I can tell, as opposed to the bare minimum. So I think it's perfectly appropriate, and we should continue to do that. And I think as a result of that, we're going to get a better product that will um, develop this neighborhood. We'll have to agree I, to disagree. Because I think if you've got design standards and they meet the design standards, then it should be a go. Well, Susan, I think also along with the design are the safety standards. I mean, the, moving the sidewalks away from mm -hmm. the street was that's absolute necessity for many years now. And the curb cuts having one versus two, much better. Uh, I think it far outweighs. I drove by there not too long ago, and I, I thought of Rockney because it's a very large home that that borders to the south of this that's going to be removed. Uh, but they've made plans for that also with the planters and and um, the trees, and so I think they've done a very good job of working with the standards that are there and. and Moving ahead. Any further discussion? No. <coughs> Hearing none, roll call, please. Salee? Yes. Taylor? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Throgmorton? Yes. Cole? Yes. Mims? Yes. Motion carries 6 to 0. Item 6B, <clears throat> rezoning Foster Road, Vintage Cooperatives. This is an ordinance rezoning approximately 53.20 acres of property from high-density single-family residential, RS-12, to planned development overlay, high-density single-family residential, OPD, RS-12 zone, for 50.11 acres, and commercial office, CO-1 zone, for 3.18 acres, located south of I-80, between Dubuque Street and Prairie du Chien Road. This is second consideration, but the applicant has requested expedited action. I move that the rule requiring the ordinances must be considered and voted on for passage at two council meetings prior to the meeting at which it is to be finally passed be suspended, that the second consideration and vote be waived, and that the ordinance be voted on for pa final passage at this time. Second. Moved by Mem, seconded by Taylor. Discussion? I think I'd like to say that uh, we've received no opposition whatsoever to this, and that influences my judgment about whether or not to uh, to waive second consideration. So I'm happy to do that. Tracy, did you want to talk to us about this? <laughs> I had yes. a feeling maybe you did. <laughs> I just wanted to clarify something I sure. said um, at our last, um, at the first consideration. You had asked about a trail from Foster Road to Shimmick. Right. In the North District Plan, it is a desired goal and a feature, but this development will not 
put that in. You know, it, it gets closer to that goal, but it's over land that the, that's not part of this development or that the developer owns. So <coughs> while it's a stated goal in the North District plan, you won't see it actually being built um, to Shimmick with this the subdivision or this rezone. Tracy, I'm, I'm shocked. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I expect everything to be perfectly yeah. true coming from, you know, I'm only kidding. Yeah, I understand. Thank you. Uh, but certainly when if we get to the point where someone else wants to develop the property just to the south, this will be part of it. Okay, uh, is any further discussion about the, m the motion on the floor? Hearing none, roll call please. Taylor? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Throgmorton? Yes. Cole? Yes. Mims? Yes. Sully? Yes. Motion carries 6-0. I should ask uh, the, uh, formally. Uh, no, I don't have to do that? Sorry. Okay, never mind. Go ahead. Move final consideration at this time. Second. Moved by Mem, seconded by Thomas. Discussion? Hearing none, roll call, please. Uh, Thomas? Yes. Throgmorton? Yes. Cole? Yes. Mims? Yes. Sully? Yes. Taylor? Yes. Motion carries 6-0. to zero. Could I have a motion to accept correspondence, please? So moved. Moved by Taylor, seconded by Mims. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. Item 6C, rezoning Herbert Hoover Highway. This is an ordinance rezoning approximately 8.62 acres of property from County Commercial C and County Multifamily Residential, RMF, to interim development multifamily residential, IDRM, zone for 5.86 acres and interim development single family, IDRS, for 2.76 acres located at 4643 Herbert Hoover Highway Southeast. This is a pass and adopt. Could I have a motion, please? Moved. Second. Moved by Soy, seconded by Mims. Discussion? Hearing none, roll call, please. Throgmorton? Yes. Cole? Yes. Mims? Yes. Sully? Yes. Taylor? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Motion carries six to zero. Item seven, amending the fiscal year 2018 operating budget. This is a resolution amending the fiscal year op 2018 operating budget. I'll open the public hearing. Okay, Mayor, um, it's our pleasure to present to you the uh, operating budget. Uh, and uh, I'm going to give you just a, a quick overview. As you recall, in January, we had a lengthy presentation, uh, an overview of the budget, and then you heard from each of our department directors about their individual budgets. I'm just going to present a, a short summary of that for you tonight. As you know, the budget process is almost uh, year-round. Uh, we kick it off in the summer with an August or September work session with council where you establish some of your early priorities. Yeah, we're, we're, we're amending the 2018 budget. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I missed that part. Um, we, <laughs> sorry. we historically have lumped these two to the presentation no, of the two that. together, okay. so I apologize for that. Uh, we do have the the amendment uh, first, and then the presentation of the operating budget. If you want to um, take the amendment first, we we should we should do that. Yeah. I, I don't plan to present on that. That's a pretty routine <laughs> item. Yeah, why, why don't ones. we do that? Okay. So my apologies. What we're doing, yeah, I wasn't clear enough either. So what we're doing now is amending the fiscal year. 2018 operating budget. We just opened the public hearing. I don't see anybody who wants to address this topic, so I'm going to close the public. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Yeah, Jeremy? Will there be an opportunity to comment on the 2019 budget? Yeah. Oh. Okay. yeah. 
Okay, so I'm going to close the public hearing on this. Move the resolution. Second. Moved by Mem, seconded by Thomas. Discussion? Hearing none, roll call, please. Cole? Yes. Mims? Yes. Salee? Yes. Taylor? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Throgmorton? Yes. Motion carries 6-0. Item 8, fiscal year 2019 operating budget. This is a resolution approving the proposed fiscal year 2019 operating budget. The proposed three-year financial plan for fiscal year 2018 through fiscal year 2020 and the five-year capital improvement program, I'm sorry, capital improvement plan for the period 2018 through 2022. Uh, 2022. <laughs> sorry. I'm going to open the public hearing. Okay. Back try to this, the future. <laughs> try this again. My apologies for <laughs> jumping the gun on that one. You have the, the budget calendar in, in front of you. Um, it starts with a uh, summer work session where you establish your priorities, and then from that point, staff takes several months to put together a recommended budget, which then you consider uh, and deliberate on in January and February. The state requires certification of budgets by March 15th, uh, which is uh, why we have the adoption scheduled for tonight. Uh, as I mentioned in the presentation, uh, the last six years have been has been an era of uh, really robust growth for Iowa City. We've added about 6,500 residents per census estimates. Uh, that is top four, uh, I'm sorry, the fifth highest in the state of Iowa, and the four that are ahead of us in terms of population added are all in the Des Moines metro area. So it gives you an idea of the, the growth we've had. Um, combining the growth of Coralville and North Liberty, that would just be 100 more residents estimated than we've grown here. Uh, in comparison to the last several decades, last couple of decades, you see in the 90s and 2000s, uh, we added uh, 2,485 and 5,642 residents, respectively. Uh, so in the first six years of this decade, we've already uh, really outpaced what we've done in those last uh, previous two decades. Uh, we start with our budget goals each session, uh, and for the last several years, our top goal has really been to respond to the property tax reform changes uh, while maintaining our service levels. Um, we want to always uh, try to make significant progress towards the goals that you establish in your strategic plan priority, and then we always look to maintain an affordable tax and fee environment for our residents and businesses. I believe that this budget successfully addresses all three of those. We talked a lot about our future concerns, and this is a, a bit of a broken record um, uh, for you to hear, but uh, we continue to hear talk at the state level about uh, removing uh, or phasing out city backfill. There's a, uh, a legislation that's been proposed recently that would uh, take one-third of that backfill for the budget that we are discussing uh, right now, fiscal year 19, and then <clears throat> move the second third in fiscal year 20 and have it all completely phased out in, in fiscal year 21. Uh, for us, that's a um, $1.5, $1.6 million hit there. You all know that because of the changes in the multi-residential uh, taxing that uh, we continue to see a significant uh, decline in our tax base or erosion in our tax base there. And you see the other items that, that give us a little bit of cause for concern, certainly as a growing community. We think about having to uh, continue to bolster our services to meet the growing population and, and uh, having our tax base erode at the same times makes that challenge, challenging. 
a uh, bit of perspective on those two items that I mentioned, the commercial backfill, which is being discussed in Des Moines right now, is $1.6 million for us. Uh, and you see some of the equivalents right there. Uh, it is a significant hit to our operating budget. The multifamily residential is also about $1.6 million, and that grows every year. Uh, it's about three, dollars $400,000 per year that that grows. So right now it's, it's roughly equal to the backfill. Uh, but that's uh, equivalent to our entire road resurfacing budget last year. So again, these are major hits to our operating budget that we need to be able to navigate. Thankfully, we have been able to navigate them in the early property tax reform era, if you will, and that's primarily uh, because of the uh, e extremely robust growth that we've had. So the chart that you're looking at on the screen right there is uh, shows you the construction value uh, that has occurred in each of those calendar years. And you can see how over the last two years, the construction permit value has jumped significantly. This growth has helped us uh, build our tax base while at the same time this reform is eroding it. So it's offset that and it's even allowed us to grow a little bit. Uh, I won't go through all the narrative there, but the, the, the concern is that we're, we're growing at a level that's not sustainable. We can't continue to, to average $300 million in, in new construction valuation per year. It's just simply not realistic. We provide you that 10-year trend line to look at what is probably a more realistic range that we're going to find ourselves in, and that's maybe the 100 to 150 um, uh, range there. The property tax rate, uh, this is uh, something that uh, certainly we're very proud of, been able to reduce our, our property tax rate for seven straight years. And uh, the, the logical question that goes along with that is with all these financial pressures that you're talking about, how, how can we reduce our property tax rate? And that takes us to our next slide, and it's, it's because we're reducing it on our debt service levy. So we're not reducing it on the tax levies that pay for operations. But as our tax base has grown, uh, and our debt levels have shrunk, we've, we, we don't have to extract as much money from the public to retire the debt. So what you see here in the red is our outstanding debt, and you can see how we've reduced that debt over time. In FY11, it was just over $80 million, and now we're um, in the FY19 year looking at $64 million. So we've actually reducing the amount of debt that we carry, while at the same time, our debt limit is growing. And if our, our debt limit um, is growing is a sign that our our tax base is growing too. So that is what is pushing the property tax levy down. That's a different levy than the operations. Um, uh, so that's sometimes a, a confusing piece of the puzzle there. Uh, when we look at the impact of this budget to the average uh, household, um, you can see that uh, it is a there's a, a small increase uh, property tax wise because the rate is going down. Uh, you'll actually see uh, fewer dollars towards the city's uh, share of the property tax rate. Uh, we do have a five percent water fee increase, and we are accounting for uh, some of the changes that we made mid-year to the uh, waste and recycling fee as well. So that gives you a a 0.6 increase, 0.6% uh, increase, excuse me, uh, to a average uh, household, which I think is very, uh, very reasonable. Some of the uh, highlights, 
Uh, we do still have the emergency fund, and while we're not transferring new dollars to the emergency fund, we feel uh, really good uh, with the level that it's at. It's about $4.9 million uh, right now. That will certainly help us. Uh, should we lose the backfill, be able to, to adjust over time to that. One of your financial goals is to have a, a strong reserve level, and we have achieved that, uh, particularly in the general fund, where we're at the high end uh, of our reserve level, uh, our, our reserve target, which is 35%. Because of the significant growth that we've had, we've been able to tackle some of um, or, or provide funding for, for some of our um, uh, uh, more challenging uh, needs, and so a few of those are listed here. We have a public works facility that has been long uh, sought after and a new training uh, tower for the fire department. We have the funds allocated for that, and we're working on designs for that uh, uh, as we speak. You know that uh, uh, we have $2.8 million in this budget for the Behavioral Access Center uh, that we are jointly working on with the county and the other municipalities. And then per your direction uh, from your uh, earlier deliberations on the budget, we have increased the contribution to the Affordable Housing Fund uh, to 750000 And we will revisit that number after uh, the legislative session, uh, after we know what the, the, what's going to happen with the backfill. You see some uh, uh, targeting, uh, targeted improvements uh, in service levels with the police and the housing inspection division. Uh, obviously, we um, were, were proud of the way that we were able to implement the bike master plan and the parks master plan and the capital budget as well. And especially this time of year when we struggle with potholes and road conditions, um, I do want to point out that this year's resurfacing budget is 25% higher than the previous years. And we have been increasing that steadily over the last four or five years. So that's something the council has really provided a lot of additional funds for over the last several years. And as we project out our contributions to roads going forward, we look to continue to grow that. We know that that's a, a real need here in, uh, in our community. I'm not going to go through all of the strategic plan initiatives. You've seen these in previous uh, presentations, uh, but I do want to point out that we have a number of funded initiatives that meet your strategic plan um, initiatives. We had to base it on your previous strategic plan, uh, but as you know, there's a lot of similarities there. We do believe we have uh, a significant flexibility in the budget, too, to, to shift to any uh, modifications that you make in your strategic plan. So we can maybe slowly flip flip through these and, and allow for uh, folks to, to skim it, but won't read through it. And Jeff, just for the public, while it, we're going through this, this will be on the website so people can look at the PowerPoint. Sure. Yes, it's a good idea. Uh, my final thoughts here, um, you know, we're really in a strong financial position now. We should be very proud of that uh, position. I know it's one of your strategic plan goals to maintain that strong position. Uh, that is um, thanks to staff before us here at the table. That's th thanks to, to councils that preceded this one. Um, uh, there's been a lot of work over the years to put us in this position, and we really benefit from that. Uh, because of that, we've been able to tackle major projects in this community, major infrastructure projects like the Gateway Project, like First Avenue, like Washington Street or the Ped Mall, McAllister Boulevard, all these projects that are that are significant. A lot of communities would struggle to, to get one of those projects off the ground, and we're able to do a number of those because of our strong financial position. You see a number of the other uh, goals that I think we can get closer to with this particular 
particular budget. So while we are in a strong position, we do have to always remain cautious because we are going to be in this era of property tax reform for uh, another several years as that multifamily rollback continues to hit and as backfill continues to be targeted in Des Moines. Overall, I think we have a very strong uh, budget. You had very healthy deliberations. We've made those adjustments, and we're recommending approval of the FY19 budget tonight. All right, any questions for Jeff? I just want to say, like, uh, I'm, I'm very proud that we, you know, or I'm glad that we increased affordable housing to 750. But you, you just said, like, we're going to revisit. I guess the vote was to increase it to 1 million if we still have the backfill. It's not something that we have to revisit it. Yeah, I, I, you are correct. That was the direction. I don't think we talked about a scenario that's being proposed in Des Moines right now where the backfill would be partially removed. So the, ultimately, that's your call. I don't know. I'm all right because I really want to make sure I'm clear on this. I said, you know, my understanding is, as Rockney proposes, if, you know, the backfill is still, you know, we receive the backfill, we will raise it to one million. If not, we're going to talk about this, yeah. But automatically it should be raised to one million if we still have the backfill. That was my understanding, and I, and I didn't hear anything different based upon what Jeff had said, um, that if we have the backfill at the current levels, we would make that commitment with the expectation that it was sort of a one-year increase. I, I don't know, but when I see him say, like, oh, it's a whiskey, is it to 750, but we will re revisit it. You know, this, like, revisit it, that word is, like, like concerning me because... Uh, you know, we don't have to revisit. If uh, the backfill is is in, automatically one million. That's my understanding. I, I, I think that's where we were, right? I mean, if well, if there's a lower of the backfill, we would have to revisit. Yes. Yeah, that, that that's my understanding too. That, yeah. that mm -hmm. we said we wanted to increase it to one million if the backfill remained, but there's a lot of uncertainty right now about whether it or part of it will. Go, whether it will remain or whether part of it will go away, all or part of it will go away. So there's that uncertainty, and I understand that's what Jeff meant by we'll revisit uh, this once we know what's happening at the state level with regard to backfill payments. That's why I understood it, too. Yeah. If so, and if it is lowered, then yeah. we, th yes. we would have to revisit But if not, automatically $1 million. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I don't understand that it, was, that it was automatically. I think we still need to look at the effects, and if, if it is lowered, whether it is lowered. No, we, we said, I said, if not, if in. not. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's, I'm that's saying if not. I don't think, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, th I think the council did, or at least the majority of the council did agree to increase it to one million if the full backfill remains. Yes. We're on the same page. Yeah. If I had a poor choice of words, I'd Just making right. sure, right. yeah. All right. Any... Uh, does anybody else want to address this topic, like maybe Jeremy? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Jeremy. I've a couple times. Hi, my name is Jeremy Ensley. I'm um, here on behalf of the Community Transportation Committee. Um, so I just have a, a statement. I'll try to be brief. Um, 
So public transportation is a vital resource that allows households to maintain employment and housing, access public service and healthcare, and connect with food resources. In 2015, the Community Transportation Committee volunteers conducted a survey of residents accessing public service uh, services in Iowa City, Coralville, and North Liberty in order to learn more about their experience using public transit to get to work. <clears throat> Our survey found that over a third of respondents either lost a job or gave up looking for a job that they wanted due to problems with transportation. Uh, the biggest problems re reported were a lack of late night services, um, bus frequency, difficulties commuting between cities, and lack of Sunday service. Um, as many business managers in food service, hospitality, and other industries will tell you, uh, limited bus service um, hampers workforce retention and therefore economic growth. Um, where bus services are not available either due to timing or location um, and walking um, is not an option, uh, workers are faced with paying more for um, expensive transportation options um, to maintain their employment. Um, so Iowa City's budget proposes funding a transportation study um, with the potential to help workers and all city residents um, gain access to transportation services that meet their needs. Um, so as the study unfolds, um, we ask that the council consider a wider range of transportation options and programs, um, including other transportation models um, to meet our, uh, our city's transit needs, um, thus improving workforce retention and growing our local economy while also staying realistically in the budget. <laughs> Thanks, Jeremy. Anyone else? All right, I don't see anyone else. I will close the public hearing. Could I have a motion, please? So motion moved. to approve. Uh, this is, a, I'm sorry, this would be a, reso a motion to approve a resolution adopting the annual budget for the fiscal year ending June 30th, 2019. Moved. moved by Mims. Second. Second by Soleil. Discussion? Well, I'm just glad to see that in spite of, I shouldn't say in spite of, um, that we've been able to increase various aspects of the budget that I think really benefit members of our community and some of the most vulnerable members of our community, um, and at the same time continue to decrease our tax levy, which also benefits everybody. I mean, that affects rents. A lot of people don't think so, but when taxes go up, that's a, that affects the rents for people. Um, and just makes this, I think, a more livable and more attractive community for people to live in, for businesses to come to. Um, and considering where our tax levy is versus the communities around us, um, I think that's really important that we continue to try and reduce that while at the same time providing these services um, and providing the support to those in the community that are more vulnerable. So. Um, I think, it, I think we've got a good budget. I think we, I think it addresses a lot of things that we're trying to do, um, making progress on the bike master plan and the parks. We've talked so much about how, how they are such an attraction um, to this community for people who want to come here to live and work um, or just to come vacation here. So um, this is what, seventh year in a row that we've decreased yeah. the tax levy? Yeah. So glad to see it. Yeah, I too am very supportive of the budget. It, you know, it's a, it's a challenge, uh, especially with the volatility uh, that we face in terms of our revenue sources and, and expenses that, that we're responsible for. While at the same time, as, as Susan just mentioned, you know, we're pursuing a number of initiatives that began 
uh, several years ago, and now we're moving in some cases into the implementation phase with our bike master plan. Uh, we continue with our parks development. So on you know matters regarding equity as well as quality of life, I think um, we, we've done very well. Uh, one thing I'll, I'll just mention is that today, I believe, is the vote in Polk County for the uh, local option sales tax. Mm -hmm. There are only two counties in, in the state of Iowa which do not have a local option <coughs> sales tax. One of them is Polk and the other is Johnson. So I'm personally very interested to see how that vote goes. Uh, I do think, you know, in terms of questions of road repair and so forth, and we've begun this conversation, um, you know, understanding in terms of how we budget to, to address our road conditions, how that plays out uh, from a budget standpoint uh, is something I think we'll be looking at in more detail. But I, I, I do think of the local option sales tax as being one option that could be considered to address both the volatility of our budget as well as some of these longstanding uh, you know, capital liability issues such as our roads. But in any event, I, I think, you know, this is a budget that, that is ambitious and has um, done a good job meeting its goals while at the same time maintaining that sense of keeping the basic operations running, you know, the lights on and so forth. Any further discussion? Well, I'd just like to observe that our council went through a very lengthy process of reviewing and amending uh, the very excellent draft budget that the staff gave us. And I'm really proud to observe that it contains so many good elements, uh, ones recommended by the staff and a few that we added. And I think we have a really excellent budget, so I'd like to congratulate our excellent finance director and uh, our city manager, Jeff, and everybody else involved in the process. And I know departments and uh, others were involved in developing the draft budget in the first place, so kudos to them as well. And uh, make, uh, I guess, a couple other points. Uh, one is uh, earlier tonight when Ryan Semp was speaking, he was talking about the two-way conversion of Market and Jefferson, right? So that's something to think about seriously, looking ahead. I know we've talked about it some uh, in our own deliberations. And uh, one last comment has to do with taxes and rents. Uh, rents definitely go up when taxes go up. I wish it were true that rents would go down when taxes would go down, but <laughs> as best I can tell, that doesn't happen. <laughs> Uh, well, so it goes. All right, we have a motion on the floor. Any further discussion? I'd just like to comment yeah. how I also, the budget, it's it's very impressive how it, it complements our strategic plan, all of the elements yeah. of our strategic yeah. plan. So kudos. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're going to separately vote on the, op, on the capital improvement, yeah. right? Because I was going to bring up the, the two-way issue yeah. in that yeah. context, too. Yeah. No, it's, it's, you're voting on both the operating but we are well, now for purposes of discussion no this yeah. this is uh, two separate resolutions this is just the annual budget. one one pub, uh, two two separate resolutions. resolutions one public hearing yeah okay hearing no further discussion roll call please uh mims yes salee yes taylor yes thomas yes throgmorton yes cole yes motion carries six to zero 
Now we're going to consider a resolution approving the three-year financial plan and the five-year capital improvement plan for the city of Iowa City, Iowa. Could I have a motion, please? Move. Second. Moved by SOA, seconded by MIMS. Discussion? I guess now I would like it's to your shot. I, I think it would be a discussion on the Jefferson market. Obviously, we can't amend that tonight. It, it's my understanding that would be about a million-dollar project. Um, but I would, as we sort of go through the course of this year, like to further explore that as an issue. I'm very pleased that the downtown district is supporting that. Um, I do think that's going to be absolutely critical towards continuing to make the north side even more livable. The developments we've seen in North Market Square Park, we're not going to make that decision tonight, but I was very pleased with that. And so as we look out for the next five years as a council, we've all watched Jeff Speck, we've read his book. I think now is the time to seriously consider that moving forward. Yeah. Any further discussion? No. Hearing none, roll call, please. Salee? Yes. Taylor? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Throgmorton? Yes. Cole? Yes. And Mims? Yes. Motion carries six to zero. Congratulations to our staff. Item nine, announcement of vacancies. Applicants must reside in Iowa City and be 18 years of age unless specific qualifications are stated. So we have two vacancies to fill five-year terms on the Airport Zoning Board of Adjustment, one vacancy to fill a six-year term on the Airport Zoning Commission, one vacancy to fill a five-year term on the Board of Appeals, one vacancy for a Jefferson Street representative to fill a three-year term on the Historic Preservation Commission, one vacancy to fill a three-year term on the Telecommunications Commission, and one vacancy to fill a four-year term on the Civil Service Commission. Applications for these positions must be received by 5 p.m. Tuesday, March 13. I'd like to make a quick comment. Uh, last In our last meeting, did we not decide to defer consideration or re-advertise or something for the Airport Zoning Board of Adjustment? I thought we had one, I'm sorry, the Airport Zoning Commission. We had one applicant for that uh, position, but there was a gender requirement? Correct. Um, and we kind of our, our new practice is to appoint at the second meeting of each month uh, so that we're not constantly okay. throwing in applications. So okay. it will be okay. on next time. Okay, fair enough. Thank you. All right. Uh, item 10, Ben, would you like to? Address? This is community comment. We're revisiting it in case anybody wanted to uh, speak to us again. Hi, my name is Benjamin Nelson, University of Iowa Student Government City Liaison. Um, my only announcement today um, is just to kind of let you all know and let the community know about the Hawkeye Completion Grant initiative that the University of Iowa Student Government is pushing forward. What the Hawkeye Completion Grant is, it's a donation-focused drive to um, collect funds, which would then be allocated based off a need-based application to uh, University of Iowa juniors and seniors who need to pay um, uh, some money off on their U-bill so that they can continue to register or that they can continue to graduate. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a need-based initiative that's been spearheaded by uh, Jacob Simpson and Lillian Sanchez, president and vice president. Um, uh, it's through Gold Rush Online. I'll be sending you all an email later this evening. Um, I would very much appreciate, we would appreciate it um, if you 
don't have the means to necessarily donate, um, or if anybody in the community doesn't have the means to necessarily donate, but but to push it through your channels because, um, you know, as we talk about college affordability, tuition, housing, all the all these factors, they're intertwined, and um, there are students who are who are very vulnerable at this state. So any anything helps. So uh, that's all I have. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ben. All right, we can turn to item 11, City Council information. Maz, why don't we start with you and we'll move to your right, which means Rockney would be next. Um, I really don't have much to report, you know. I couldn't go to the meeting for the Paris meeting because I have like death on the family. My mother-in-law, she passed away. Oh. Oh, and I had to be outside the country. And I came, I guess it's been one week outside and twist my fate. I have like really hard time. <laughs> yeah, but on the weekend, I'm gonna go to Washington DC to speak at the National Democratic Party over there, like as a guest. The National Democratic what? Yeah, committee. Committee. Oh. The NDC, yeah. DNCC, is that what it is? Yeah, DNCC, yeah. 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 Congratulations. Uh, I look forward to hearing about it. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Rock? Can we talk about our um, service on the boards now as well during this time frame? Well, we're supposed to do that at the end of okay. our uh, work session. I don't have anything else. Yeah. John? Uh, there were a couple of things. We, we And many of us were at the Affordable Housing Coalition's uh, mixer on the 27th. That was a, a very enjoyable event. And uh, second, um, Jim and Kingsley and I toured Robert A. Lee on the 23rd of February, uh, which was a very enlightening <laughs> tour, I, I must say. I, I, I live so close, and yet I don't take advantage of it. And uh, so I do plan to get a membership card. It's, uh, the, you know, the, the work that has been done there has really uh, improved the, the facility, uh, has a lot to offer. Uh, so I'd encourage anyone hasn't given consideration to the use of Robert A. Lee, give it a look. It, it's, it's really a fine facility. Uh, not a lot, except I just got an update here. The, uh, the U.S. Justice Department has decided to sue the state of California over sanctuary laws that aid those in the U.S. illegally. Mm -hmm. um, so there's an escalation from the federal government on these issues, which is, is not particularly surprising, but obviously, uh, you know, of concern as... We try to make sure that um, everybody in our community is safe, and that means that people who are here undocumented still can report crimes, um, you know, and feel that they are safe in our communities and have those resources available. So it's um, unfortunate to hear. Yep. Pauline? Uh, several of us were at the um, Crisis Center Pancake Breakfast this past weekend, and it appeared to be a great success. Uh, when I got there around 10, the um, uh, persons at the front table said they'd had about 750 people, and by noon, they reported over 1,000 people. Yeah, so uh, kudos to the Crisis Center, great event, and all the volunteers. It, it was, again, really uh, fun to see the Hawkeye football players helping as, as, as their service projects. That was really nice. So the community really went all out for that. Uh, there, um, Saturday, March 24th, and Sunday, March 25th, is the Shelter House book sale, and that's um, 
1030 to 4 on Saturday and noon to 4 on the Sunday. And you can also donate books up until uh, that time, dropping them off in Building B at the Johnson County Fairgrounds Monday, Wednesday, Saturday from 1 to 3. So that's also something that uh, people can help out with. Um, I'm excited. Tomorrow I've been invited to go to Longfellow School to talk to uh, my grandson's uh, fifth and sixth grade classes, uh, their career day, um, the students, which this gives me great hope for that generation. They wanted to hear somebody talk about a career in politics, and I think that's really fun and exciting, so I'm looking forward to that, uh, see the Longfellow Longhorns tomorrow. And I think... Uh, I, I don't know if I should be uh, Susan, I have the listing post, uh, which uh, was in your IP packet, the report on that, so I won't dwell on that. But uh, uh, small turnout, but uh, uh, very real concerns that people express. So but I'll be sure to, uh, to read the summary on that. Uh, I think that's it. Okay. Well, I'll mention a few things. Uh, along with Jeff and many staff members, Rockney and I toured Procter & Gamble's Oral Beef Facility in the old Menards building on the 22nd. And I want to thank Mike McCleary at Oral-B for facilitating that tour. It was really pretty darn enlightening for me. And I imagine the same is true for you, Russ. Certainly. Uh, also, Kingsley and I participated in the City of Literature's One Book, Two Book Youth Awards Ceremony on the 25th. It's always a fun event. There were, I don't know, 100 kids that got awards. Uh, tomorrow, the seventh, I will be attending the Optimist Club's Youth Writing Awards event, and uh, that night, tomorrow night, the seventh, I will make welcoming comments at the United Nations Association's Night of a Thousand Diners event. This is one of those many kinds of things that the mayor goes to. I'm looking forward to spring break. <coughs> I don't know, you know. There you go, yeah. I, yeah. My wife teaches at the university, so spring break matters to us, and our daughter Zoe is a student there as well. And hmm, I think I want to say something about half-masting of the flag. So bear with me for a second. I've got to find my correct page here. Uh, um, I know we received or saw various... Uh, complaints of, about the fact that city government lowered uh, the, our flag uh, in honor of Billy Graham. And I want to say that I understand and fully respect why some members of our community would object, would object to honoring this particular individual. I, I, there are people who have judgments about these kinds of things. However, a resolution that had been adopted by the City Council back in October of 2009 specified five situations in which the flag should be lowered, including whenever lowering of a flag was decreed by the President or by the Governor. And the resolution further stated that the lowering should be carried out by the City Manager or designee. In this case, both the president and the governor decreed that flags should be lowered to half-mast, and our city manager dis, did as is required by our policy. So I just want people to know that that's the fact of the situation. All right, that's enough for me. Jeff, did you want to say anything? No. Ashley? I was just going to note yeah. that uh, I have reservations for uh, Councillor Thomas and Councillor Botchway for tours at the water plant. Um, the probable tour is on the 23rd of March. 
um, the afternoon at 2. There's also a second date. We have the 16th of March, so uh, it is spring break week, but if you have an opportunity you want to partake, just let me know. Add me to the 23rd at 2. The 23rd? Yeah. You okay. have two times. So on the, the 16th? You can add me to would, the 16th. Would work for you? Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Um, be gone next week. Okay. What time? Trial on the 23rd. Um, 2 p.m. So we're just meeting at the water plant on Steve Atkins Drive. So I'll have the, the three on the 23rd and then uh, Councilor Lee on the 16th. Can you have more on the 23rd? or? Um, I think we're eliminating. No, Pauline, do you so want to do the 23rd? I think I can do the 16th if that would work better so we don't have a yeah, quorum. Would that be all right? Okay. If you don't mind, Susan, that'd be great. Thank you. Great. And that is all I have. I appreciated the participants at the other tour of Robert E. Lee. So yeah, it was fun. We we're glad to do it. All right, Sue, uh, Kelly. All right, I think that means we're done. So we're going to adjourn. Could I have a motion to adjourn to the work session, please? Move. Second. I say second by Mims. All in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed. Motion carries. We are adjourned to the work session.